Hi, I'm Pastor Will. And I'm Pastor Brianna. And we want to thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's message. We believe that as you listen to this message, you will be restored by the message and know that you have a covenant right to prosper spiritually, physically, and financially. We love you and something good is going to happen to you. As you know, we are starting a new series called Easy Street. Amen. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Say Easy Street. Hallelujah. And last week we kicked it off and we said that we're going to pack all our bags and we're going to make a quality decision. We're going to be intentional in our choice to move to Easy Street. Somebody say I'm moving to Easy Street. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I went, I started off last week um, really defining what Easy Street is. And what Easy Street is, really what it says, it's a life where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. It is a life that is fully satisfied by God. Amen. It is the abundant life. And I want to add to that definition on today. Not only is it this nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking type of life. Not only is it a life that is fully satisfied by God. Not only is it a, not only is it an abundant life, but it also is a life filled with sweatless victories. Amen. Hallelujah. That is Easy Street. Somebody say I'm moving to Easy Street. Hallelujah. And we learn that the key to living this life is held in one word. It's this, grace. It's held in grace. You know, um, I love that uh, this definition that um, I got from the Webster 1828 Dictionary because, you know, we're all very familiar with grace is. We know it as, you know, the unmerited favor of God. But hear how, hear how Webster defines grace. He says this, it's the favorable influence of God. <laughs> Glory to God. It's the favorable influence of God. And so while Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, he in a New King James Version, the most familiar verse, he describes what he's going through as a thorn in his flesh. And while he's going through this suffering, he gets this revelation of grace. Amen. And it says this, my grace is, my grace is enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the foundation verse. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Now, what did, what did I just say about this definition of a grace? It's what? The favorable influence of God. So let's reread this verse. My grace, the favorable influence of God is enough. Oh, glory to God. That right there is enough to start shouting because I don't know about you, but I need the influence of God in my life. I want the favorable influence of God in my life. And when you really get this revelation of what grace is, that grace is the favorable influence of God, you will have the same response that Paul has. You know, he said he, uh, he gets this revelation and understands it's all that I need, amen? Spiritually, I need the favorable influence of God. I need the discernment from God to know what's God and what's not God. I need to hear from God, and I need to mute the mouth of Satan. I need the favorable influence of God. Physically, I need the favorable influence of God. Especially, they got this new Delta variant, Alpha variant coming around with COVID-19. I need the favorable influence of God over my kids as they go back to 
school. I need the favorable influence of God over myself as I go back into work. Why? Because God says in his word that there is a hedge of protection around me. That's the favorable influence of God. I need the favorable influence of God in my finances, amen, that when I, before I even go into the meeting, God is already speaking to the boss. Before I go into the bank, God is already speaking to the bank teller. Why? Because I need the favorable influence of God. Hallelujah. What are you saying? I need his grace. Somebody say, I need his grace. Glory to God. He says, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Glory to God. Think about it. Think about this life, the life that I just described. I went through three areas, the three areas that this ministry is, you know, is, is called to, to speak and tell you your covenant right to prosper in, spiritually, physically, and financially. Think about it. If you have the favorable influence of God in every area of your life, y'all, that's easy street. <laughs> that's a life where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. That's an abundant life. That's a fully satisfied life. That's a life of sweatless victories. Glory to God. That's a life on easy street. And so he continues on what he's hearing from God, and we get this revelation of how this grace kicks in. We get this revelation of how the favorable influence of God kicks in. He says this, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. What is this saying? In the area where you realize you can't do something, that's exactly the place God wants to move in so he can do something. I'm going to say that again because we need to redefine what weakness is, what weakness is amen? Once again, when I identify the area when I realize I can't do something, that's exactly the place where God can step in and do something. Amen. Hallelujah. And I love this. When God steps in, he gives an even more definition of what this grace is. He's called it this, my strength. And so that's why his grace is enough, because it's the strength of God, the favorable influence of God. And so when I can't do something, glory to God, I got to allow God to step in and do it. Hallelujah. And because we know this, I, we know this, you know, as a ministry, as a church, you know, as um, your pastor, we know that this is definitely easier said than done. Guess what we did? We built some steps. Amen. Last week we started, we gave you the GPS directions. We became your ways. We became your Siri. We became your Google Maps to Easy Street. Amen. And we looked at, we started off looking at the life of David in Psalms 23, verse 1, the Amplified Classic, what David says, um, the Lord is my shepherd to feed God and shield me. I shall not lack. And you know that Psalms 23, like I said last week, is the perfect depiction of what easy street is. Amen. And David gets this revelation of the grace of God. And when I receive this revelation of the grace of God, I get to live life on easy street. Amen. And so what did David do? Number one is what? Discover who God is. Amen. 
They would discover who the Lord is, amen. And so you need to discover who God is in your life, amen. Like I said last week, when you discover who he is, you discover who you aren't, amen. Number two, number two is discover your weakness. David discovered that he is my shepherd, and he, so he needs to feed me, guide me, and protect me, amen, to shield me. Those are three areas that David was weak in, and when he understood where he's weak in, then he understood where God could be strong in, amen. And so we need really take the time to discover, decipher what areas in my life do I need God's help in? What areas in my life am I weak in, amen? Number three, we went over with, with surrender, or as Pastor Brana put it, I like it, I quit, amen. That was the last part, and so, and, and, and we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and this is what um, Paul said after he heard this revelation of grace from God. He said this, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. Look what he says next. I quit. <laughs> I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations and stride, and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Amen. And so today, family, we are going to move on to step number four, amen, on moving to Easy Street, amen. And step number four is this, be humble. Be humble. I have a sermon title and don't, you know, clench your pearls or don't get crazy. But the sermon title for today is this, Control Freak. <laughs> it's Control Freak. And when you really think about it, no one likes a control freak. <laughs> no one likes a control freak. Every time I figure out what is a control freak, here's what, here's what, here's what uh, a definition of what a control freak is. It's a person who feels an, um, an obsessive need to exercise control over themselves and others and to take command of any situation. Nobody likes a control freak. And all of you watching this right now, you either know a control freak, you're probably thinking of them right now in your head, or you've known a control freak. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> exactly. Pastor G said it, said it perfectly. If you don't know, it's probably you. <laughs> And, you know, and, you know, I don't want to pick on my men, but sometimes even men, we have an issue of taking control. Let your wife take control sometimes. You know, God sent, you, sent her anger like to be your helpmate, but you all stressed out trying to do everything. Amen. That's a different message from a different time. But all of us know, known, or is a control freak. Amen. And nobody really likes that. But if you really think about it, in all reality, that's how we are to God. That's how we are to God. You know, I'm going to pick on my teens. I hope y'all watching this. If you are a parent and your teen isn't watching this, slap the back of the head and tell them to tune on right now. Teens, you're in high school and you already got it mapped out. I'm going to this college. I ain't going nowhere else. I'm going to this college. Well, maybe that's not the college God wants you to go to. You know how I know? Because it happened to me. <laughs> I didn't want to go to Greensboro College. On my first visit, uh, Pastor G and all the family could contest. I did not like it. It was nothing that I wanted to go to college in or go to. But I lost control. I let God have his way. And don't you know, it was one of the biggest blessings. <laughs> it was one of the biggest blessings in my life. Or maybe, you know, a younger dog or after you graduate college and, you know, you were saying, all right, I'm going to choose this job. 
because this job has the highest salary. It pays this amount of money. I'm going here. Well, maybe that's not where God wants you to work at. Man. Or here's one. Here's another one. I'm going to this church. This is a church I like. This is a church I want to go to. I like this. I like this. I like this. The church I'm going to. Well, I, have to, I, want, to, I want to break this down to you. You don't choose your church. <laughs> God is the one that leads you and gives you a pastor according to your, his own heart. Amen. And so these are different areas in our life that simplistically we take control in. We try to be a control freak. Amen. And this is a lesson that Paul learned in 2 Corinthians. You know, let's go back. Let's go in the beginning of the verse in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 in the message still. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a what? Big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he, what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then, listen family, walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that and he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. What's the revelation? What's the lesson Paul learned? Of course, he learned and got the revelation of God's grace. But at the same time, he got this lesson and got this revelation of God's grace. He also got the lesson and got the revelation of this humility. Humility. Amen. Humility. What is humility? It's this, an act of submission. It's a word we don't like to hear, but we like to use it on somebody else. It's an act of submission. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 in the Passion Translation. Another very familiar verse, amen. It says this, trust in the Lord, what? Completely. Y'all like to skip over that part. <laughs> because we sing songs, we dance, we jam in a car, we declare, we prophesy, we confess all this. I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. He's going to bring me this house. I trust in the Lord. He's going to bring me my soulmate. I trust in the Lord. He's going to restore my marriage. I trust in the Lord. We speak in tongues. We do all the type of stuff, but still have plan A, still have plan B and C. <laughs> trust in the Lord. What? Completely. And here's how I can trust in the Lord completely. It's found in the foundation verse is when I really get this revelation that his grace, the favorable influence of God is enough. When I really understand, no, 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 like really, really understand that his grace is enough. When I really, really understand, really, really understand that it's all that I need. I don't need plan B, C, and D. All I need is plan A. Somebody say all I need is plan A. And when you really get this understanding, all I need is his grace. Guess what? I can live on easy street, amen, because it's the favorable influence of God. But here's the key. It's the first word. Trust. <laughs> what is trust? Trust is defined as confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or sound principle of another person. I'm going to read that one more time because a lot of times we think we know what trust really is. 
confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or, the, or another sound principle of another person. And so true trust produces rest of mind. I'm going to say that again. I hope you are taking notes on this morning. True trust produces a rest of mind. Well, what does that sound like? Easy street. That's what true trust is. And ask yourself, don't ask it out loud because you may be watching other people. You don't want them to feel embarrassed. But ask yourself this question. Do I truly trust God? Like, really, do I truly trust God with my kids? Do I truly trust God with my, with my marriage? Do I truly trust God in, this, in, in, my, in my relationship? Do I truly trust God in this business venture? Well, check your mind meter. I said it. Check your mind meter. Because if, your mind, if you are not at rest, that is a clear indication that you don't trust. Amen. David in Psalms 23 on this path to easy street, of course, we went, just went through it. He, number one, discovered who God is. He, he discovered his weakness. He surrendered. And number four, he became humble. And what that humility produced in Psalms 23 in the Passion Translation, it says this. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. See, trusting in the Lord completely, what it is, is true humility. Trusting in the Lord completely is true humility. It's saying, God, I know. God, I recognize. God, I understand your power and your authority. And so because of that, I'm going to let go. I'm going to take my hands off the wheel, and I'm going to allow you to take control. Why? Because I trust in you. And, you know, society and culture loves to popularize that humility is weakness. They love to popularize that humility is weakness. They do that with men growing up. You better let, let them know who you are. You walk in there, you let them know that you're the joint. You walk in there, you let, them, you let everybody know that you're the boss. They try to make, try to make it push. They make it sound like this. If you want to be the leader, you got to make sure you show everybody that you're the leader. No. I'm trying to tell y'all. I'm going to help y'all out on this morning. The strongest person in that room is the most humble person in that room. See, humility, true, if, true humility, it produces strength. Because it says this, I, I recognize and I understand the power and authority of another, and I'm going to submit my own self. I'm going to make myself low and understand that in my, lowness, in my loneliness, I understand God is going to elevate me back up. Glory to God. Where did you get that from, Pastor Will? First Peter chapter 5, it says, God resists the proud, but gives what? Grace. I'm going to interject my definition, the favorable influence of God to the humble. Oh, glory to God. That's a good word to me. You see that? God resists the proud. But what he does do, he gives the favorable influence of himself to what? The humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in what? Due time. Glory to God. And so we see this. Played out very quickly in Mark chapter 11. We understand the story. Here's Jesus. He has an easy. He sees the fig tree. Curse the fig tree. The next day, Peter sees the same place where the fig tree was supposed to be. The fig tree ain't there. Peter looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, how the word did this happen? What did, God, what did Jesus say to Peter? Trust in the Lord completely. 
Of course, we know the real translation says, have faith in God. But what was the lesson Jesus was trying to teach to Peter? Hey, when you trust in the Lord completely, when you allow him to take control over the situation, here's the result. Miracles. Oh, glory to God. I hope y'all getting this on this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Let's get back to it. It says this. And do not, I'll read it from the beginning. Why not? Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinion. Uh, uh, yeah. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. And do not rely on your own opinions. Hey, guess what? Your opinions will get you off route. Once again, we're on this journey, on this road to Easy Street, and here's the key. Your opinions will get you off route. <laughs> I know for me, it's, it's not a good thing to say, but I'm going to say it. Y'all still pray for your pastor. But I, when I'm driving, I like to beat my GPS because I think in my mind, I know more than the GPS. I know more than the satellite that has literally measured the entire globe. In my mind, I know the quickest route to get to a destination. In my mind, I know that this route, this road is going to get there quicker than what um, Siri or Waze is saying. And so I always find myself saying, I could do it better. <laughs> I could do it quicker. I could do it better. I could do it quicker. And time and time again, it takes longer takes me out the way, and I get frustrated. Well, I got off Easy Street. And a lot of times we do the same thing with our own lives is, I could do it quicker, I could do it better. I could do it quicker, I could do it better. But we have to understand what the Word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 20, chapter 29, verse 11. We, what does it say, y'all? What does it say in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11? Come on, we all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and what? A future. So who's holding the plans of our lives? God? <laughs> it ain't you, boo. <laughs> you don't know what's best for you. <laughs> you don't know the quickest way to go. Amen? You know, it's, it's, we think that we know the best and quicker route. Why? Because we're relying on our what? Own opinions. Maybe God is leading you to stick it out in that marriage, to stick it out with that man, to stick it out with that woman. Well, think about this. What if Sarai would have just quit on Abram? Come on, let's be real. Let's take this in now context. Yeah, Sarai may have, may have gave him the go to sleep with Hagar, but at the same time, he slept with Hagar. At the same time, Hagar had a baby. And we know her natural reaction. She was, I don't want, she was mad. I was going to say another uh, but she was mad, so mad she kicked her out. And so you know, she probably had an opinion. Girl, just leave him. Can you believe that he did that? Just leave him. Could have. Or may, maybe you don't like that example. Okay, well, maybe God is leading you to trust him in a new business venture. It sounds weird. It sounds crazy, like nobody else is doing it, but God is telling you to do it. Well, the, and, and the woman uh, that, uh, with the oil, the prophet said, go borrow some, some vessels and don't borrow a few and take the oil that's in your house and it's going to keep pouring. Y'all, that sounded crazy. And then afterwards, go and take that oil and sell it. Well, she could have easily had the opinion, ain't nobody going to give me no vessels. They know I'm broke. They know I ain't going to give it back to them. I can't do nothing like that. And so you see, these two examples, these two women, what they did was, they humbled themselves. 
They understood, I, I can't be a control freak. I can't take control over the situation. What did they do? They trusted in the word of God. They trusted what God was saying. God, you said, this is Abram, and you, this is the man that you have placed me with, and through him all the, all the um, nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm sticking with this man. God, you t- the prophet told me to, to, to sell these oils, and I'm going to live life on the rest. God, I believe it. I'm going to live life on the rest. And guess what happened? The very thing that God said is the very thing that happened. But don't you know there's always that one? that thinks they know God better than God. Don't you know there's always that one that thinks they know the plans better than the one who wrote the plans? It's a man named Samson. Samson, you know, maybe God, you could maybe take this for yourself. God was been telling that boy, get control of your lust. Boy, leave Delilah alone. She ain't good for you. Just get rid of that relationship. Samson, I know better than you, God. Man, she was good. She bad. Oh, man, you don't understand the way that she be rubbing my hair. Whoo, I love her. And guess what happened when Samson relied on his own opinion? What? He got off route. Glory to God. I hope this is helping somebody on this morning. And so I need to be humble. I need to move out the way and allow God to get in the way. I cannot be a control freak of my life. Back to Proverbs 3 and 5. I'm going to go here one other place. It says this. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your what? Heart. Rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. See, when here's the result when I humble myself. Here's the result when I, when I make myself low before God. Here's what happens when I walk in humility. Here's what happens when I decide I will not be a control freak of my life. Guess what? My ears will be open to listen. Amen. And so here's a key thing. You know, we really listen with our heart. <laughs> That's where you listen. You don't listen with this. You listen with this. <laughs> and so when I, when, as the scripture says, with all my heart, when I listen to him, guess what's going to happen? He is going to lead me and guide me where? Directly to Easy Street. Let's see this thing in action. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 in the Passion Translation, and we're going to close right here for today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 in the Passion Translation. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I order my service and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son, and he will be instantly healed. Glory to God. Verse 10, Jesus was astonished when he heard this and said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. Verse 13, then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, go home. All that you have believed will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. What did this Roman officer do? And I'm closing right here. He walked in humility. Hallelujah. 
Number one, he discovered who God is. He discovered who Jesus is. The very first introduction to, to Jesus was what? Lord. He understood that, that this man that people are condemning, this man that people hate, no, that's not just a man. No, he has, he is Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I got to discover who God is. Then number two, he discovered his weakness. He said this, my son is paralyzed and I can't do nothing with his condition. I have a weakness. And so because I recognize my weakness, I'm going to the one who says his grace is sufficient. The favorable influence of God can interject in the area that I recognize that I can't do something. And so he discovered his weakness and went to Jesus to bring strength to his weakness. And number two, what did he do? He surrendered. He said, I quit. I can't make it happen. I, I, I have authority, yes. I have people under authority, yes. But I understand all this authority that I have. I cannot heal my baby boy. And so I surrender and I put it into your hands. And he says, you know what? I, I, I trust in you so much that you don't even have to come to my house. All you got to do is say a word. And because I trust in you completely, I don't have plan B. I don't have plan C. I don't have plan D. But I have your word. If you say a word, I know my boy will be healed. Number four, he humbled himself. He says, I have authority. I got people under me that do stuff. When I say do stuff and I do stuff, when somebody above me tells me to do stuff and I recognize your authority because I know what authority is and I recognize your authority, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bow down before you and I'm going to allow you to do what you're going to do. I'm going to allow you to just speak a word. And because I know that your words have power, all you're going to do is speak a word. Speak a word over my finances, and I know I will be prosperous. Speak a word over my business, and I know it's going to be prosperous. Speak a word over my marriage, and I know my marriage is going to be prosperous. Speak a word over my kids, and I know my kids are going to be prosperous. God, just speak a word. I take the controls off of me. I will not be a control freak. I will not write my own plans to my life. God, take control. And family, when you get into that position like this, yo, you better watch out because here comes the wonder. Oh, glory to God. I pray that you are blessed by that message. Like us on Facebook at Obi and Waldorf or follow us on Instagram at Open Bible Ministries. Or come join us for service at one of our OBM locations. Something good is going to happen to you.